0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Mind Sculptors podcast. I am your host, Callahan. On today's episode, Pongo and I are joined by first-time guest Mikey from The Miscast and Eminence Gaming to answer the question, is The Brothers' War the set that breaks CEDH? But first, before we get into it, I want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor, Dragon Shield. I have been using Dragon Shield for years and just recently started using their dual mat sleeves, which have a fully opaque black interior that do an absolutely amazing job making my cards look as beautiful as possible, while also giving them world-class protection. I personally am a fan of the Wraith colored sleeves. They're like this pretty magenta color. And it's what I sleeved my Buick Cube in. So go ahead, go into the description of this episode. Click on our Dragon Shield affiliate link to get your sleeves today while also supporting the channel. Thanks again to Dragon Shield for supporting the Mind Sculptors. Also, thank you to all of our wonderful patrons. Your continued support is what enables us to continue to bring you high-quality CEDH content every single week. If you want to listen to next week's episode, you can become a patron for as low as $2 a month and get access to the full uncut video episode right now. You will also get access to our patron exclusive discord server, plus the ability to submit a question to our dear sculpty boy segment. So what are you waiting for? If you aren't a patron already, you can join the sculpty family at Patreon.com forward slash the mind sculptors. With all that said, Let's get into our Brothers War set review. Congo, you and I and Kabul kind of talked about when we did our Dominary United set review that we were like, there's a good chance Brothers War sends us some artifacts that are just cracked in half. And like, there are, from the perspective of, like, there's some really good standard cards in here.
2: Yeah, I think but the like, prototype mechanic is really cool for standard and limited mm-hmm. stuff. Like, it's yeah. like, oh, it can be a 7-7, seven, seven, or I'm short on mana, so it's just gonna be a 3-3. Three, three. Like, that's insane. And it has that flexibility.
1: Yeah. Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff for other formats here. Right. But I was actually shocked that we didn't get anything that I was like, oh, damn. You know what I mean? Like everything was pretty reasonably powered, I guess. This set, which I was shocked because they were like, "We're going to the Brothers War," right? And as soon as they said that, I'm like, "Okay, so we're gonna get some insane cards." This right? is gonna be like Urza's
3: and, block all over again. Yeah. Let's go! <laughs> like, give me Necropolis
1: no, Part been, Two. Dot deck. You you say that, but I was like, not. I was unironically like listen, they're going back to the Brothers War. If they reprint something like Necropotence into Standard, I would not be surprised. And like... <laughs> yeah, well, Necropotence was
3: in Standard like, at the same time. It wasn't originally printed, but yeah, right. I think it's part of the deck with all the nonsense if I'm not mistaken
2: yeah we did we did get diabolic intent though we did, so get, diabolic content. We did yeah. get Diabolic yeah. intent I'm very excited for that for modern so but, excited but no <laughs> That's academy. going into moderns wild
3: no no academy um, yeah. no cradle you know we don't we didn't get a new memory jar or anything like that
1: <laughs> unless you are at, <laughs> no no cycle, you you are at Magic spells. 30 um yeah exactly <laughs> uh but instead we've got 10 cards here that we're gonna talk about that we either think will some people will try to work on, and some people are will have some. You will probably see this at some point in the metagame. First card we're gonna talk about here is the first of the two brothers. It's Mishra claimed by Gix. And Mishra is part of a meld piece, but we'll look at just the creature here right first away. Uh and Mishra is a Legendary Phyrexian Human Artificer that costs two colorless, a black, and a red. And its text says, Whenever you attack, each opponent loses X life, and you gain X life, where X is the number of attacking creatures. If Mishra, claimed by Gix, and a creature named Phyrexian Dragon Engine are attacking, and you both own and control them, Exile them, then meld them into Mistra Lost to Phyrexia. It enters the battlefield tapped in attacking. So um yes, meld is back. Yay. Um I guess I hate I actually hate meld. Uh the the two giant like the two cards forming one giant card. Like irks me to no end. Uh but <laughs>
3: Just wait until um, we get like
1: the fold out triple sided triple based yeah. cards. They do the yeah, like it's what gonna is be is like Exodia, you need five of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll we'll be whatever that mechanic is they did in Alchemy, where they had like five different versions of the stuff. Oh yeah. Card. Yeah. Jeez. Um but so the other half of Mistra Lost to Phyrexia is, as we are as I said, Phyrexian Dragon Engine, which is a three colorless 2-2 Phyrexian dragon, which is an artifact creature. It has double strike. Uh, when it enters the battlefield from your graveyard, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw three cards, and it has unearth uh three colorless and two red. Um, which also fun fact, unearth is back. Um man, what was the last set that had unearth? Modern uh, horizons. Okay, last or standards. Standard set. Set. Okay, less standard. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Just,
1: But uh, so these two meld together if they're both on the battlefield and attacking at the same time uh, into Mishra lost to Phyrexia. Um, And that is a nine nine Phyrexian artificer. And it's a legendary artifact creature uh, that says whenever Mishra lost to Phyrexia enters the battlefield or attacks, choose three. Target opponent discards two cards. Mishra deals three damage to any target. Destroy target artifact or planeswalker. Creatures you control gain menace and trample until end of turn. Creatures you don't control get minus one minus one until end of turn and create two tapped power stone tokens. So that's a lot of text. Um. So I think the first question I have here, Mikey, is, <laughs> um, you know, there's people who are brewing this Mishra, obviously, who are trying to do sort of the, like, turbo out, like, make a bunch of mana really early, get both of these things out, and get a Mishra loss to Phyrexia. right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is kind of your whole take on this card in where it's going to end up landing if it even does
2: like i think the front side of mistress kind of cool just being able to get value off attacking creatures and going aggro is generally a pretty good thing Mm -hmm. uh i wish that it like let you draw cards or something just gaining life like while that's useful in ractos decks like it's really not the end all be all especially Mm -hmm. when if your deck is built properly you can win off an ad that's only like 20 life or 25 life like that's enough to get you there So I just feel like it's a lot of extra steps for not really much payoff, because even when you look at the the meld card, it's cool. It's a 9-9. It has a bunch of text, but it's like none of these abilities win you the game. And it's not even like these win you the game in like a turn or two. It's like, sure, Mm -hmm. if this stays around forever and you're able to just keep it carrying value, it could lead to a win. But like, you're dedicating all these resources, all these rituals to get this stuff out early and then all you get is a 9-9 that helps you control the board a little bit more. Like, why why are we putting this much mana to something that like Toxic Deluge can do for us? Or like, Calling ritual if you're in green I just feel like it's not really fitting any niche it's a cool it's a nine nine that's neat Mishra's cool like it's one of my favorite characters from all the lore but I just don't see the effort you put into this being worth any sort of the payout
1: you know what I will say building this is more worthwhile than building the original Mishra uh Wow, you really set the bar Stop. high. <laughs> doesn't do anything unless there's like a possibility storm out. Yeah, or uh, yeah, another void or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, I mean, listen, it's better than that, Mishra. Guys, we've we stepped it up. Well, that one is um,
3: Rixis, so debatable. Yeah,
1: yeah, because <laughs> you can order like that, right? Yeah. Like just- <laughs> so I guess so. One of my thoughts here, Pongo, is when I'm reading this card there is a very important thing here that i'm reading on the back half of mishra and it says choose 3 and it doesn't say any amount of times so you have to choose 3, separate three different ones. ones yeah yeah so mm-hmm. that like if it said you could choose the same mode 3 times i think we're having a very different conversation yeah um i mean like i don't i, I still think it's very reserved Right? Like, we're still like, eh, this isn't very, like, exactly as good as you could be doing. But I think that's more intriguing than you have to choose three different ones. Because, like, at minimum, you can, like, bolt somebody three times while also attacking them. I mean, the way I look at it is that kind of doesn't matter.
3: And, like, three of these modes also kind of don't really matter that much. Like, it, yeah. it, if you get this, you flip it, you get the trigger, you 1v1, at least, you've won the game, almost certainly, because you're going to make them sure, discard two sure. cards. You're going to, if they have a Planeswalker, you're killing the Planeswalker, and then you're presumably removing a creature as well. So you're getting, like, a 4 for 1, straight up, and potentially a right. 5 for 1 if they can remove it, and so they spend a spell to remove it, which is not going to be that, that easy to do, it being a 9-9. Nine, nine. Uh, And then if it sticks around and you get an attack trigger, you know, it's forget about it. Forget about it. Like the game's over at that point. Forget about it. You know, you're taking 12, you've you've discarded four cards and you know, yeah. So it might might
2: as well just say you win the game. Like, Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing too, is neither Mishra or the Rexian Dragon engine have haste. So it's like, you need to get both of these out and then you need to get to a point where both of them are attacking. And then, so you what's the night idiot? Right.
3: What I do like about the design though and this is actually a clever bit of design is that you know you can curve out um turn 3 you play the Frexian Dragon Engine turn 4 you play Mishra if they can remove the Frexian Dragon Engine then on turn 5 you can unearth it for five mana yeah. and attack with both. Um so it's actually you know in standard conceivable that you will be able to do this on turn 5 uh and you know, if they can't remove specifically Mishra, or if they don't have instant speed removal for Forex and Dragon Engine, then theoretically you can get there. Um, but it's still a pretty, you know, a, it's a pretty tall ask, right? Like it's only a two-two, which means mm-hmm. the, the, the Dragon Engine, I should say, so it dies to everything. In any case, you know, I there is cool. so much. It's just not actually that good. The
1: Dragon yeah. Engine dies to quite literally the most played removal spell in standard right now, which is cut down.
3: Yeah. The like, the fact that it's a 2-2 it, it is just
1: really rough.
3: It really um, should have had more toughness if they wanted to make this a thing.
1: Yeah. Um I I mean I I think it my my big question, we I brought this up before we started recording, but when I look at this card and the thought about brewing this as like a turbo strategy. So we're turboing this out. My big question is, okay, so we turboed this out and building all of these decks. Is my deck just strictly better if Valky's my commander, right? Like, it doesn't, like, as a Rakdos strategy, I feel like Rog, Tevish, or Valky are immediately more impactful, in my opinion and turboing these out in a hell of a lot less work which I never thought I would ever say turboing out a, uh, <laughs> a what is it a, um, what's the back half of Valky I forget tibble. Uh turboing out a tibble is like easy but like compared to getting Mishra to flip I feel like that's much e- a much easier ask uh, especially in black red um, so to our Rakdos friends out there um, you know, handle with care. Uh, be, be mindful. This might not be the, your mileage may vary on this one. Uh, next up, let's look at the other brother. Let's just get it out of the way. Let's look here at Urza, Lord Protector. Uh, Urza is a 3-mana, 2-4 legendary human artificer that costs a colorless, a white, and a blue. Has the ability of Artifact, instant, and sorcery spells you cast cost one less to cast, which I believe that is the first ability like that ever that doesn't make you choose one of the modes. Um, And also has an activated ability that costs seven uh, colorless to activate, and it says if you both own and control Urza Lord Protector and an artifact named the Might Stone and Weak Stone, exile them, then meld them into Urza Planeswalker. Activate only as a sorcery. So the other half of this card is the Might Stone and Weak Stone, the thing that makes Urza a Planeswalker in and in the lore and in the game. Uh, <laughs> it is a legendary artifact that is a power stone. It costs five mana to cast, and when it enters the battlefield, you choose one of two modes. You can either draw two cards, or target creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn. Also has an activated ability that is you tap to add two colorless mana, and uh, it does have the stipulation of this mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells. You can, however, use it to meld the Urza though. Fun fact. Um That's important. Yeah. So that is that, <laughs> that is an important thing to remember with the power stones, is you can use them to activate abilities, which is really <laughs> nice. Um uh, you, you say that, Mikey, but like as somebody who has played with Mishra's workshop, I wish to god it was worded that way. Um <laughs> Mm -hmm. pretty messed up if it was yes but I do wish it was worded that way anyway those meld into Urza Planeswalker which is a seven loyalty blue white Planeswalker that has a static ability which is once during each of your turns you may activate an additional loyalty ability of Urza Um, so it has a plus two ability which is artifact instant sorcery spells you cast this turn cost two colorless less to cast and you gain two life. Uh, the second plus is a plus one, which is draw two cards, then discard a card. has a zero ability, which creates two 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature tokens, a minus three, which is exile target non-land permanent, and a minus 10, or an ult, uh, which is artifacts and planeswalkers you control gain indestructible until end of turn destroy all non-land permanents. So your minus 10 is kind of an Urza's Ruinous Blast sort of thing, Um, but more one-sided. So, Pongo, this is a commander. Urza, so so we talked about this a little bit beforehand, is like Urza, just the card, right, is like the, the creature card, is actually like an intriguing card on its own.
3: Well, I mean, I don't know if I'd use the word intriguing, but I I do like the text that it has. You know, the the discount Mm -hmm. effect means that it's like it does something relevant in the format. Um, Right. But I don't know if the rate is really good enough that I'm excited about it.
2: Right. Yeah, like the way I see it is Grand Arbiter's one more mana and it gives you a discount, not as free as the urza discount i guess because it's a little bit more limited but then it also has the tax tax, and everyone else exactly yeah Yeah, so for one more mana it's like and that's what you kind of need with these decks to survive because you know azores isn't going to be the fastest deck at the table unless you're at a really weird table (laughs) um so you need things to help you survive and urza doesn't really do that i feel like it's trying to be proactive but your colors are limited to not really be able to do proactive things
1: right and If you build this as your commander, I think you then have to ask yourself this question of to to play the Might and Weak Stone or to not play the Might and Weak Stone. Because the Might and Weak Stone is pretty, yeah, right? Like, the card is, it doesn't do much. I mean, no matter
3: which mode you
2: pick, you're overpaying, right? It just doesn't matter which five. Yeah, five mana draw two. It's like that's neat.
3: Five mana draw <laughs> five two. Mana very destroy bad. one
1: creature. Yeah, five mana destroy yeah. one creature. Neat. <laughs> I mean, that's colorless for you, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's basically yeah. a slightly better meteorite at that point, right? Like, right. Which is if you pick the minus five minus five side. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about it. So I I know some people are building this with the intention of like flipping Urza, and some people aren't even playing that though just because the static ability is quite strong right it,
3: so you you can do like future site top things but right Urza is hardly the first blue white commander that can do that
2: <laughs> uh, I will I, say I, if you're I, trying to build this commander I definitely would scrap the meek stone or might stone and weak stone and just stick with urza trying to do the discount thing I agree. Um, right I yeah I don't I don't think it's the best at doing that if you're trying to do that type of thing, like I think Elsh is probably a better bet for those types of synergies, but if that's what you want to do. Definitely just scrap this weak, weak stone plant. because kind of like, as we talked about with Mishra, the planeswalker is cool. It's big. It has a lot of text, but none of those things tell me I'm winning the game in Ethan two or three turns. Like that's just yeah. not how that card reads. And if you're putting that many resource into something in commander, you better be winning or getting really close to winning.
3: Yeah, especially in multiplayer. I-
1: it's uh, even
3: activating those abilities twice per turn is just
1: not enough. I will say the one benefit it does have is it does have a little bit of that like tevishness to it where it does make blockers for itself when it comes down which is nice. Um mm-hmm. so it's like that is one of the things that I do think is a pro for it is you can make blockers for it and get some other advantage from it. Um I don't know if that's quite good enough to justify running because I think that's ultimately the question you have to ask is, is, I think when you're putting this card in your deck, looking at the value of it being the Meek Stone is probably incorrect. I think the correct way of looking at it is Is Urza Planeswalker worth 12 mana? I think that's nope. the better way of looking mm-hmm. at it. And I don't think it is. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I think that's ultimately where I land on it. Because, like, again, like, if you're just, like, if you're trying to evaluate the worth of playing the Might and Weakstone, I think it's more help- like productive to just look at the backside of Urza because that's what it effectively represents. And if you are not willing to pay 12 mana for that, I don't think that is a great strategy um you know if i guess my thought process is we don't play to fairy hero of dominaria in this format and <laughs> i think to fairy hero of dominaria has more relevant pieces on it than this does
3: yeah um, i mean it, it kind of boils down to like if you could get urza into play like if you somehow managed to succeed in getting the urza planeswalker out melded Mm -hmm. You were winning that game already because something has gone horribly wrong where you were able to get your five mana artifact into play and then pay seven mana and then activate Urza with, you know, two loyalty abilities that, you know, probably, you know, if you're far ahead enough will allow you to convert into a win, but you had to get to that game state. And that's the challenge.
2: Yeah, the know. thing I like to do, especially to help newer players see, like, card assessment, is I just take some of the powerful cards that we all play with, like, Ristic Study. That's three mana. So you're putting three mm-hmm. mana into something, try to compare it to something like a Ristic Study or, you know, Toxic deluge, Like, they have very big impacts right away. And it's like when you're trying to look at higher end, like, Adnos is a five mana instant that basically says we re- win the game, essentially. Right. Uh, obviously, there's things that can stop that and stacks can get in the way, but that's what I'm putting five mana into. So if you're trying to put 12 mana into a planeswalker, it better be doing something crazy.
1: <laughs> well, and I mean, even a deck where I have played a 7 mana planeswalker, I can tell you, uh I wouldn't pay in 7 mana for that planeswalker. <laughs> it was getting cheated into play, friends. Uh so can activate I, I think, only use a sorcery. Um, yeah, little that's relevant bit of text there. That means you're probably tapping out. Like that's less than ideal i think um but so uh so the entirety of our set review so far has been urza and mishra are the brothers very powerful (laughs) standard cards two brothers two brothers are going to be uh pretty good in standard probably uh and then they will be fine here uh that is my takeaway Let's let's get into the rest of the set. We have, uh, what is it? eight other cards here. So let's look at the creatures here. First, we have Gix, Yawgmoth, or Yawgmoth Praetor. And Gix is a legendary Phyrexian Praetor. Uh, that is a 3-3 that costs one colorless, a black, and a black. Has the abilities that says whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, Its controller may pay one life. If they do, they draw a card. And then it has a second activated ability that says you pay four colorless and three black. Discard X cards. Exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost. So one thing I will say, before we even get into our critiques of the cards or our thoughts on the cards uh is uh they're definitely flavorfully uh taking us back to the brothers war era because these are some wordy ass cards my guys like <laughs> these cards have a lot of text um so mikey when we look at this this has like a little bit of a like uh what's an edric thing going on, like a black edric thing going on almost mm-hmm. um, with like a sort of, I don't want to say mnemonic betrayal, but like a way of like stealing your opponent's resources uh, as a card. Like, where do you, do you see this as a commander as a 99 card? Like how, what are your feelings on this card?
2: I think if people are playing this, it definitely would be as a commander. Uh, mm-hmm. I definitely think there might be like m- better mono black options out there, but it seems like one of those fun commanders people will mess with, kind of like Nashi. Like mm-hmm. I read Nashi, and it's fun because you get to steal stuff off the top of other people's libraries. It does the mono black thing where you're paying your life as a resource, and I feel like this fits that similar niche where it's definitely not going to be the best deck of the format, but I can see it being able to do some stuff because it's pretty easy to cast. You know, two black and Mokolas—that's so easy to do, especially a mono black with all your sacrifice and rituals that you have, and right. then. The ability, while it's not that powerful, since I don't think it'll be too often you're really discarding like you know ten plus cards to this, unless you were able to somehow get Necropotence off in this and something else. <laughs> uh, it still is one of those abilities that's just fun. Ultimately, commanders like casual format. I know I'm leaning a little bit more on like the spiky side, but like this is a fun commander to mess with, and I definitely think people will just mess around with it kind of like they did for Nashi for a bit, and then it'll kind of peter out after a month.
1: Yeah. Pongo, I, I know I've talked to Phoenix about this card, and I believe they're not even really considering this in Prosper, which I feel like is the deck that would probably benefit from it the most. Uh, like, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, I, I just
3: don't see paying seven mana in Prosper and discarding a bunch of cards. Um, yeah. You know, you can pay seven mana and, and cast like a big spell that's going to exile a bunch of cards. Or five mana and Adnaz in Prosper, or, you know, like, Necropotence for three mana, or just, like, all of the, like, a whole manner of cheaper cards that will exile and generate value from casting from exile. Right. Um, so I, I feel like, strangely enough, as it is, like, this is not good in Prosper, and it's, like, one of the few times I'm saying that about a black or a red card, <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because drawing cards in Prosper is not as good as exiling cards, like impulse drawing cards, right? So right. even that aspect of the card is not especially exciting. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't have a whole lot to say about this card. I'm not super high on it. It has the Edric problem yeah. that um, other decks get to take advantage of it, um, but right. you also aren't playing blues, so you're not drawing into a bunch of counter spells that you can conceivably use to then you know, control your opponents when they're also drawing into their cards. Um, so you don't really get that whole tempo angle from from Edric where you're breaking parity, drawing more counter magic than people and, and you know, not letting your opponents leverage the extra cards that they're drawing quite as well. This, you really need to be drawing the cards for yourself, uh, accelerating out into something uh, and, and winning, right? Because your opponents are going... To just steamroll you otherwise and you're not gonna have that much to say about it in mono black um so yeah you know i'm, I'm pretty low on these effects these
1: symmetrical effects in general and especially mm. in mono black yeah mono black doesn't really have a good way of converting that uh into like a win right like well I mean, that feels uh, like it's no mono black
3: can convert to wins reasonably well um it's more that well
1: i meant like more that particular effect right because Mm -hmm.
3: yeah but you also don't have a lot of creatures to play in mono black right like small creatures that you're going to use to attack with to draw cards and that's like a whole other issue with this card where other colors get better access to you know small evasive creatures or you know like small creatures that you're excited to play like mana dorks and stuff like that that you can convert into draws um so yeah there's there's a number of issues with this card um yeah you know, being in also mono black
2: beats, also ripping the cards off of your opponent's deck is pretty detrimental because model black usually has very unique ways to win and it's right. not like other people it's not like you know a Grixis a shell if i steal someone's breach like i can figure it out it's like if model black hits a breach they're like what do i do with this <laughs> i'm not sure what to do with my hand
1: uh, be good just to hold them down by okay.
3: your side yeah great you know you do, you leave it yeah. in, in exile because it's better off there right like honestly if you put yeah, it back into their graveyard <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the turn that's net negative so
0: <laughs> yeah you're just
1: happy to have extracted it basically yeah seems like an interesting card um i i i don't know that i would play this in anything uh but I don't know. That's how I feel about it. I will tell you something that I definitely will be playing in some stuff is our next card, which is Lauren of the Third Path, which is a 2-1 human artificer. Uh, It's a legendary creature that costs two colorless and a white that has vigilance, and when it enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target artifact or enchantment. It also... Has a second ability that is a tap ability that says you and target opponent each draw a card. So, uh, there's a couple neat things with this that I think are worth mentioning on this pongo. Is one, it is a Rex Sage, right? But it's also a Rex Age that is a May, uh, to some degree, it's an up to one. Mm-hmm. So you can't have it like, you know, misdirectioned onto you as easily. Um, if you are concerned about that for any reason. Well, I mean, if you, uh, it also. Yeah, I guess. Sure. Because you don't have to target. yeah. yeah. So you, you if you're playing around misdirection specifically. Yeah, right. Well, also, if there isn't a valid target, you would have to ta- target something on your board. Sure. So um, but, you know, but, in this format, that's pretty unlikely in any case. Right, uh, but it's like a fringe scenario with it, so it's just like, from a design standpoint, well-designed. Uh, other piece of this is, more importantly, the fact that it has the ability to disrupt Thoracal combos on a body, which is pretty neat. So, we were talking about this a little bit pre-show. I think, like, three three color and down white decks are absolutely considering this two color white decks down are more than likely going to play this mono white decks are 1000% playing this. So Pongo, what what is kind of your read on this card overall?
0: Yeah,
3: I'm a little less optimistic. I think once you hit three colors, you're probably not playing this, but maybe in two colors and below, um, depending on what the second color is. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think it's a, it's a good card. I'm I'm pretty down to see this card. I'm pretty excited. I think that, um, you know, like Manglehorn slash Reclamation Sage, you know, they're acceptably powerful cards. Uh, I'm not incredibly excited to play something like a Reclamation Sage on its own, but this is obviously, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a, a French vanilla Reclamation Sage, as it were. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the additional option to be able to make an opponent draw a card uh you know it it means that it is a stacks piece while it's in play um you know will winota play it i guess is kind of like the big question that comes to mind and you know i know that ian at least from what i last saw was not like super high on it um it does seem not fantastic in my opinion um being you know like a three-mana human with not a particularly impressive stat line um and then you know not a super duper impactful etb ultimately right. you know it, it's not like a, a real static hate piece when it comes down it's not impactful enough that i'm going to pick it over a lot of the other humans that i'm flipping into most likely right so yeah i'm not i'm not convinced um you know realistically i think winota probably doesn't play it and if winota doesn't play it then it's possible that it would only be you know even mono white decks that would consider playing it at that point
1: I don't know I could see like uh S- like captain Sissé playing this
2: like I I agree with a lot of what uh Pongo was saying to me also mm-hmm. the issue is so I'm with them that in three color decks it's probably not going to make the cut just cuz you have better options yeah. available um it's just then when you get down to the two and mono color decks you, in order to draw a card with it, you need to let another opponent draw a card. And I just find it really hard if you're in Boros or you're in Mono White, the card that you're drawing is going to be more impactful than what you're giving other people access to, especially mm-hmm. if you're trying to do a stacks route. Now, you might draw another stacks piece, but you're just giving people more and more ways to find outs because it's pretty rare when there's, like say, three stacks pieces on the board, all three of them are impacting you negatively. Usually, you can right. find a way to pivot around one of them, or it's like two are stopping you, but the other one you don't care about. So I just think giving people more card draw in that case... Is just going to be really detrimental because they're going to be drawing better quality cards and they're going to be drawing the outs to your board, and you need to keep your luck as long as you can. Obviously, that changes because if there's, say, another mono white player at the table or like mono green or something, maybe it's not as scary, but I don't know. I'm not used to playing in games where uh, people aren't on pretty much all three color enough decks for the most part, and then like a couple two color decks when people bring out Winota. Yeah.
3: Right. Uh, Yeah. Playing stocks decks like, and as someone who played a lot of stacks decks in the past, mm-hmm. every draw that your opponents take is a moment where your, you know, your your butt is <gasps> clenched very, very tightly because you're like, is this the draw? Is this it? You know, is this the <laughs> thing that's going to start to uh, unwind the the noose, as it were? So I, I yeah. agree with the notion that uh, giving other people card draw is a little bit scary in that respect. But, uh, you know, conceivably you could. and uh, And I mean, this is what I would imagine. For example, someone like Charles talking about this card, you know, in the context of, you know, have something like a Spirit of the Labyrinth in play. And then, you know, you activate this on the turn of somebody who's already drawn their card for turns. So at that point, you're breaking yeah. parity on it. Um, you know, kind of imagining the, um, you know, the, the, the cute things you can do within mono white um, where your cards come together to sort of be
1: more than the the sum of their. You know the, the synergy is yeah. more than the sum of its parts. It's like the death and taxes thing, where like death and taxes, you look at the pile and you're like, this is like not good cards, and then you play against death and taxes, and you're like, oh, this oh, three one that flickers a thing. Okay.
3: What? Why would I play a three one? <laughs> Why flyer is flicker three me. Mana uh, <laughs> And then it's like, oh crap! <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that they played it for free off of an aether vial, and then yeah
1: you know had a recruiter of the garden play yeah i i do think the one thing i think is not like i i think where this will probably see its home in mono white is a rex sage like this will go in over like a disenchant more than likely and then you have a rattlesnake for the thoracle deck right is a a way to deal with a Thoss's oracle that isn't you know just playing other etb hate um so it's, I, I think that's more than likely where it will fit. Uh, I don't know where how I feel about it overall. I I think it's one of those cards that you look at, you think about, because from like the standpoint of having a relevant ETB, a a, a vigilant body that also can potentially disrupt an opponent's win, I think is at minimum, worth considering. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you should
3: play it. I kind of um, wish it had flash and a way to activate its ability yeah. at instant
2: speed, or, like, you know, without summoning sickness. I
3: think I would yeah, be much then I could
2: see it. it. Then I could see it doing some cute stuff, especially when you're making the comparison that it can stop Oracle wins. It's like, I view that as just such a gotcha. Like, yeah, sure, it mitigates it, but, like, if someone's point, it's like you know, we've all died at one point where we had like a Crom or something, and Player S percent, and we die because we had the Force Draw. But it's just like that's not something you should be like playing to your alley. Like, if yeah. That's like the reason to to run a card. I'm just like, okay, that's loose.
3: Yeah, you, hey, I mean, people consider, play Shuffle call You have to consider the value <laughs> of a card. I think in in Mono White. Um, yeah. And yeah, sure, having removal staple to a card is nice, and conceivably that pushes it to playability, but many times in mono white you're playing one spell a turn and do you really want this to be your one spell a turn or do you would you rather play like another rule of law and i think the answer is pretty clear mm-hmm. in that respect um yeah. there's just way more impactful things to be doing even in mono white um so you know i guess we'll see
1: and i'm not the incredibly next- optimistic <laughs> the the next card definitely uh helps in the game in white and that's mural shield of Argive. Is that how I say it? I'll I, yeah, we'll sure. go with yeah. yes. <laughs> that's okay, fine. Okay. Uh, for now, Argive is what we're going with. If that's not correct, get in the comments. Uh it is a 3 4 legendary human soldier that costs three colorless and a white. Uh has two uh what is it? Uh static abilities. The first is during your turn. Your opponents can't cast spells or activate abilities of artifacts, creatures or enchantments. And its second is whenever it attacks, create X 1/1 colorless soldier artifact creature tokens where X is the number of soldiers you can turn or you control, can turn. Jesus. Um so Okay, this it's time for the obligatory Lavinia mention. Um Uh, get in this is actually so um, the the build that Phoenix mostly Phoenix and I have been working on is what I would call a soldier's omen and it's you kind of realize that like a lot of the creatures Lavinia was playing anyway that were like good were soldiers anyhow and Lavinia is also a soldier And then there are, like, some new cards that are also soldiers that synergize with this and the Lavinia game plan really well. So, this actually is, like, a pretty like, the cleanest way we've ever found to end a game. uh, Which is somewhat exciting. Um,
3: And cards that the deck should have been playing are also soldiers. Like, the Catley Honor Guard is a soldier.
1: Yeah, like, it, it just, it gives you a lot of, like, neat uh, it like encourages you to play into the synergy which the deck already kind of wanted to be doing anyhow and so now we get to pl- now we're playing that like the two mana soldier lord from uh, Dominaria because it's actually kind of decent in that deck um, but all of that to say that's my obligatory Lavinia mention um, so that is it but Pongo, you have you're the combat math guy. Um how what is the combat math on on this card? Because it's it it snowballs pretty quickly, I feel like. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that you know,
3: in just a second. Sorry, you you wanted to say something, Mikey? I
2: was just gonna say the one thing that stands out with me is that the soldiers don't aren't attacking. They're not attacking. They yeah. That, so it it attracts the combat math a lot
3: yeah surprisingly less than you would think but i'll get to that in a second the first thing i wanted to say is everyone who's listening go straight into the con the the comments um callahan said this was two static Hear the abilities music. Ca- Callahan said there's two <laughs> static abilities one's a static ability one is a triggered ability be sure to leave a comment and I'm let sorry. callahan know about their <laughs> egregious error um if you I haven't know, already I'm, I'm sure some of you have Um, they've
1: absolutely lit my (laughs) ass up (laughs) yeah
3: callahan um absolutely destroyed in the comments at this point but uh yeah so as far as the combat math is concerned if i'm not mistaken i believe it it's uh, seven combats instead of six um so surprisingly you know like less than you would think right it's one fewer combat uh and it just so happens that that's just how exponential math works right like where those those later combats are so much more valuable than the initial combats that you start pushing out so much more damage for the the later combats um which is which is interesting um however it is possible to reduce that clock to four combats i think fairly easily on curve if i'm not mistaken i know um, phoenix had done
1: a little charles bit charles did a charles, charles at he, phoenix did man yeah
3: if i'm not mistaken if you can yeah. play like a one drop warrior into a two into a brimas
1: doing soldier yeah, uh, then you're uh, there as for like sentinel is
3: soldier by the way right exactly uh,
1: which is oh. and also ranger captain is a soldier uh they're like it, it's it's the same thing with like humans that i realized when i was building um like the arena rector stuff is why I put in like cavern of souls because as you start like building around a redirector and then you're like I wonder if I could play a uh, cavern of souls and you realize like 90% of the cards you're playing are already humans. So you're like, oh, I guess this is just free to play. Right. Um, it's kind of similar to that where it's like an odd amount of cards that we just play anyhow our soldiers.
3: Yeah, there's like. a surprising amount of relevant soldiers in the format. Um which, you know, everyone is no doubt aware of now because as soon as they saw that line of yeah. text, they scryful full sur- soldiers and we're like, Whoa, <laughs> like, you know, that card is actually decent. Um, like, you know, the aforementioned, uh, to Catley honor guard, which was playable before, especially in Mono white, uh, to hate on, Dockside yeah. extortionist and thos Oracle, for instance. Um, yeah. So I'm not a hundred percent confident about the math that I just quoted. Um, if I'm being completely honest, I, I haven't thought about, that aspect of this card very much because once I saw the mana cost of this card, I stopped thinking about this card. Um <laughs> compared to like the early mock-ups of the card where I was like, I mean, that's not what it is. And people have to stop reposting this mock-up because it's driving me crazy. Um when when people were, you know, thinking, oh, it's a white, white, it's a grand abolisher but strictly better. Um yeah at four mana that's it i'm not incredibly excited about the card um one it's slower on the clock compared to just Nigila, mm-hmm. but it's also going to take you know probably an extra turn at least to to get it started uh compared to Nigila in many cases um if not more because you just have you know less density of turn one acceleration in model white so um all of this ignoring the fact that you literally just cannot play her out. Like if you play her out and you don't win, you probably will just lose to somebody stealing or copying her for two mana. Um so there's a number of issues with the card.
1: Yeah. I I there are definitely issues. I will say, from one perspective, I I, I do think as a blue white X player, it's mildly exciting to see a card like this that has relevant text and an upside. It's different in Um, Lavinia
3: where you're playing, you know, other stacks effects that theoretically are going to make it so that people can't just steal it and straight up win on the spot. And and presumably you would be doing that in this deck, but it's easy to imagine a world where somebody manages to remove one key piece and then copies
1: this and then it's like game over right yeah yeah it it definitely has some downsides i mean from a combat perspective like starting at four i feel like is kind of rough and it's when this creature attacks right yeah it's whenever morel attacks okay okay so yeah that's kind of my thoughts, Mikey. Any any kind of thoughts on this card? Like, I, I mean, it is a pseudo grand abolisher with some upside. Um,
2: I think what you all said pretty much encompasses my opinions on it. I think the card's interesting. The effect is obviously powerful, but for me, it's just not really something that I'm interested in doing. Like, I just not super into aggro strategies, and this doesn't really have a place in like my type of decks. But I do think it's going to be a house in standard and modern. Mm-hmm. The ability is yeah. bonkers. Like, the card is insane. I definitely think it has a spot. And it will be seen play in decks. Um, just not like my type of play style, but the card is like objectively very powerful.
1: Yeah. yeah, I agree. I I I presume Charles will kill a non zero amount of people with this card. Um let's head over into the sorceries. Let's take a look at Awaken the Woods. It is a uh two mana. Sorcery spell, well, it's X uh, Green Green is the casting cost and it says, create X 1-1 one, one Green Forest Dryad Land Tokens So, uh, Mikey, this card here is uh, build, like, build your own Dryad Arbor Army uh, <laughs> like, sort of <laughs> card, like uh mm-hmm. If you would see this falling anywhere, where do you see this being like the most relevant? I'm not even
2: entirely sure. Like it's just a lot of mana put into it. I get like it does make a lot of creatures, so maybe some mono green deck that's trying to get like a cradle online or do something with uh, like some like, you know, there's a bunch of things where you like tap creatures and you can start these chains and then that being a land is relevant. But I'm not entirely sure, just because like they're affected by stunning sickness, so it's not like you can do this, get a bunch of creatures and then ramp out. I feel like right. you need a lot of other pieces, and I feel like mono green or like the green stompy decks are trying to do like these big spells, they just have more impressive things to be putting their mana into. Like right. I'd rather just put a bunch of mana into a crayon hook, behemoth or finale X as a bunch, and then go go that route than try to make a bunch of forest tokens. But I might be missing something. Mono Green is not something I am well uh, apt at brewing. So I don't know if this just goes crazy with something else. The, I look at it and I'm just like, this is pretty lackluster for what I've seen mono green decks do.
3: Have you thought yeah. about it for Tatiova at all, or have you considered that? Because I think that's like where most people's minds went to. Um in the sense that you do get landfall triggers for each of those. So it is like an um, X draw spell that ramps you, right? Um, you know, it's it is slow ramp you as life. you and, and gains you life. Yeah. As, as you uh touched upon it is slow ramp though um but you know presumably you would be casting this kind of later on when you've more or less stabilized uh so so it is interesting in that regard i'm not i'm still not sure though you know i i, I kind of agree with you where it is tough to imagine myself dumping a lot of mana into this um and feeling comfortable doing that I suppose if you played it for, like, five mana, you could conceivably still represent, like, a one-mana piece of interaction in a lot of board states. So then you're ramping for three and drawing three cards. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, that that could potentially be where you could place it on curve. Um, but it's it's certainly not helping you, really, with your, like, early game consistency that much. So it's very much like a late-game card. And I don't know... If Winota
2: really needs or Winota, excuse me. If Tatiova really <laughs> Tatiova. needs more of those. Um yeah, yeah, like I feel like Tatiova, once it gets going, like your your issue is not drawing cards, your issue is just like not dying. Well, it's like just you're pe- being able to draw <laughs> all cards your effects yes, alive. So it's like Yeah, exactly. Um, like you're drawing cards for days. You just gotta make sure that you stay alive. And I don't really think this card helps that because you get a bunch of bodies, so I guess if you're you know, you're on one one deck charles is on three those bodies will be relevant but defending your life isn't always the most impactful way to stay alive in a game especially if you're tapping out for this at sorcery speed it is
3: interesting though because the type of pods where you know i see myself playing tatsiova and where tatsiova really takes over the game are the ones where you would conceivably have more time to be able to cast this card but but again it kind of runs into the issue where i think tatsiova kind of has a lot of game in those pods anyway so I don't know if you need to yeah. go even more over the top of those decks when you're already just drawing two cards off of all your fetch lines anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But this is going to be a
1: casual powerhouse. Like, that's for oh, sure. yeah, for sure. <laughs> this is going to make yeah. casual Tatiova actually really annoying. Even more annoying than it. No yeah, I was gonna say. Right. It, yeah, it's, it's like, gonna
2: make it annoying. What are you talking about? People don't like it when you sit there and people are drawing <laughs> cards and you're not doing anything.
3: <laughs> My favorite part about somebody playing tatsiova against me is like stealing or copying Tatsuova for two mana after they like you know Lotus her out, <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, stole tatsiova played two a mana. Fetchland, <laughs> let's go. You know, you, <laughs> like you're giving me, <laughs> you <giving
2: me, laughs> uh, you're giving me flashbacks to when I was a Gitrog player, like before the flash ban and stuff. Yeah. That same That was always worse. Thing. It's like, cool, I got my turn I got my turn one frog. I'm like, here's a Gilded Drake. I'm like, oh Gilded Drake and,
3: and <laughs> two. <That's
1: too laughs> here's <mean>. here's <laughs> a Gilded Drake fans. for your troubles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's,
2: it's like, oh thanks.
1: Thank you. Thank you. This is what I wanted. <laughs> uh let's look at instant now. And there's some pretty there's a couple interesting instants yeah.
2: here. These are the cards I was actually excited for. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's some interesting cards in here. Uh, The first one we'll take a look at here is Soul Partition, and it is Exile Target Nonland Permanent. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it. A spell cast by an opponent this way costs two more uh, colorless to cast. So this is sort of like Elite Spellbinder, Mm -hmm. Mikey, but it's also a removal spell. Like, what is your kind of feeling on this? Oh, I huge fan of this. Like, this is
2: a this is a card I'm going to be playing in my Tim Necrom list like right away because mm-hmm. it's non conditional removal for any permanent. Or it, it doesn't hit lands, but I don't I don't care. That's fine. And <laughs> on top of that, it can answer problematic things that are on the board. But it also is a dockside doubler. So yeah. this is what I've been looking for. Like this, Sycrypt, you're you're gone. This is coming in. Like I've been wanting something else that was two mana for more versatile. Like Windsor Rebuke is like kind of cool, but I like how this is just, I think, a little bit cleaner for a Dockside Doubler. And uh, I think the ca- uh, tax on it is more relevant than Windsor Rebuke bouncing to hand, because it's like, if I bounce it, then I don't win. Then you just drop it back down. Now they need to pay two more mana for whatever I bounce, and I think that's yeah. a better rate than the Windsor Rebuke building a couple cards. So I'm a huge fan of this card. I, I love it. It's flexible. Bounces my Dockside or someone tries to be my ranger captain, I can exile it and just cast it back on my turn, things like that. I just think it's so flexible as a proactive and reactive piece. And that just checks all the boxes that I'm looking for in a magic card.
1: And not even that, like, so if you look at it just from purely from a reactive standpoint, a lot of those decks are going to be doing things like, you know, playing cards like Draneth, where if there's a Draneth out, you're just (laughs) have fun. Your card is basically permanently exiled. Uh, as long as this card stays around. I, I I think there are some neat pieces with that. The one thing I do that is mildly annoying is it doesn't have that anointed processioner ability or whatever it is from the last set where the effect hits everyone, not just that player, um, which is one of the things that I was kind of like, oh, that's sad. But also, like Pongo, like this definitely feels a lot better than most two mana bounce spells right like yep yeah oh, I, I love
3: this card too um i agree with pretty much everything mikey was saying you know the only downside of this card is that it is not a blue card right that you have to spend white mana to cast it and it's not a.
1: Blue oh i card. love that it's a white card
3: yeah no no <laughs> i mean it's i'm i'm happy for players who play white decks right but you know it's just you know, we keep cutting blue spells for non-blue interaction, and then it's like that much harder to support the force of negations and stuff like that in in, in the decks. Um yeah. so you know, that's it, it's a kind of a minor thing, but you know, it, it it does mean that for example, if I was considering playing like Assassin's Trophy in like a Sans Red deck, for example, forget about it. Uh I'm playing this, I think, over yeah. that pretty much every time if uh if I have to pick one. Um you know whether or not it would take some the place of something like an abrupt decay, probably not just because abrupt decay is
1: kind of nutty in, in that respect. Uh, abrupt decay having the ability to not be countered, I think has like a lot of relevance yes yeah, yeah for sure
3: so it doesn't take the abrupt decay slot, for example um, in, in interaction packages, but obviously mm-hmm. you know like if we're looking just at kind of bounce spells,
1: um, I, I do like it a lot more than just any bounce spell yeah yeah. this is a really intriguing card there's actually just some interesting like instance in general the other instance uh here there's three in total uh the second one here is defabricate which is a colorless and a blue instant uh that says choose one you can counter target artifact or enchantment spell if a spell is countered this way exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard and it also has counter target activated or triggered ability. So this is kind of in that class of like, uh, what is it? Tails and sort of cards where it's like a narrow counter spell that also is a stifle effect. Um, wh- how do you feel about this card, Pongo? I, know, I, I gave my thoughts about it on Twitter, but I'm curious where you fall on. This card would have to be
3: literally negate with the counter target ability for me to want to play it Um, it's (laughs) not that so I'm not excited about it Uh, and I'm not excited to play negate anymore Um, so this does not have sufficient upside over negate because you know there's a lot of instants and sorceries that I would want to counter Um, and just you know tacking on a modal stifle to an annul um, you know that's kind of the issue with modal cards in general is that you're never really getting your mana's worth for the card um you're always overpaying you're paying for the flexibility um mm-hmm. and you know while flexibility is nice um having an occasional stifle is not enough upside for me um yeah. and you know it is crazy because it's probably going to take like two or more years before they ever print negate a gate with like upside um but you know that that's what it would take. And prop- we probably got we'll one it's get called Doven veto, Yeah, no, for a colorless <laughs> and a white, like actual negative okay. upside. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe blue blue, um, we could get it.
1: Maybe. Um that that was kind of my take on this card too when I was looking at it. Uh it, i I think I I don't remember exactly what I said on Twitter, but it's basically my kind of whole uh stance on conditional like counter spells is that like, if this was two mana, I mean, even if it was like a mana leak with a, you know what I mean? Like a mana leak with a stifle attached to it. Like three mana counter. Yeah. That target. Like, even if it was a mana leak. Yeah. Like mana leak counter target, non-creature spell, unless they pay three and, or it's a stifle. Like, I think that's more like I I don't know if that's going to make the cut in my deck because I like to have more flexible interaction and like answers but and generally cheaper answers but like the 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 big issue I see with really all of them is whether it's disallow whether it's tails end whether it's this is that you're either one overpaying for the effect or two, the, the good side of the effect is too narrow. So you can't get, it's hard to like justify. So like tails End, for instance, is there was a argument there for a bit where I like Ken was really high on the card and I tried it out. I played it a bit and It's great if you have it in hand before people play their commanders. But then it's just a commander counter spell that also hits random things like it's so narrow that I just like don't see that being worth playing. And I put it on this list specifically so that we could encourage our listeners to not play this card. It's not not worth it. It's Not good. Don't pay two mana for interaction. They should, the, yeah. Your spells should be free. I, d- I don't point. know that I agree with that, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I definitely did not just order a uh, gilded foil Void Rend in every play case. Like, well, three mana is a little <laughs> outrageous. Oh, I, I, I have thoughts <someone's> upon <laughs> Void Rend. I actually think <laughs> not that bad. Um, but uh, looking at probably the best card from this set is calamity's wake it costs a colorless and a white it is an instant and it says exile all graveyards players can't cast non-creature spells this turn exile calamity's wake so mikey uh this is a great silence effect yeah (laughs) that also just kind of dumpsters all over uh underworld Breach. breach yeah like, yeah, no, I, I I'm a big fan of this card. Like
2: I this is the I blow can see, see this at a and all is very real. Yeah. The, it has a huge blowout potential. It's a nice uh asymmetric silence effect if you're able to win through creature combos. Like I can see this really going in like a Winota deck, uh Minajila, for instance, because if you just are trying to win with the Revy, Grim Hireling, or, you know, insert other creature combo here, this just works. Or if yeah. you do like something cute where you like taint a pat on end step and then win with an oracle and then being able to also host people's graveyards on top of being a silence is just so versatile. And yeah, I'm a really big fan of this card, especially if you're not winning with your graveyard is, as like your primary. A leader.
1: silence for one more mana that also exiles all graveyards is stupid. Like that's so aggressively costed. <laughs> yeah, it's like you look at that and you look at defabricate. It's like these two are not the same. No, these, no. <laughs> these these are from the same set um yeah yeah it does exile on resolution which fine i guess like i i think there are some spells like that in eldritch evolution where you're probably gonna have to remind some people that you need to exile the spell because uh there is a non-zero amount of people that I've caught in tournaments who don't exile their Eldridge evolutions after they Neoform or disqualified. Or Neoform. Let's go, Jesus yeah. Christ! Yeah, Eldridge <laughs> evolution, um, and then they try to like bring it back with Eternal Witness or whatever. Mm. Like that's not how that card works, guys. Um, but yeah, it, it, like that's one important line from this. Is so if you cast it, you can't recast it uh, if it resolves. Uh, but. I don't think that's going to be a problem because if you're casting the spell, you're probably in a position where it's a good. It's probably going to resolve or get fought over, <laughs> right?
2: Like, yeah. Like hitting everyone's graveyard with a breach on the stack, pretty great. Numani, Patrol, Yoggle, those are all popular cards. People still do reanimation stuff. And on top of yeah. that, it's just a silence on your turn. If, like I said, if you're able to win with creatures. Like it you're doing the yeah, if you, if you, Nogila thing, right. just drop your Derevi, which is already hard to deal with, and now they can't even answer with a bounce spell or a removal spell, and it's like creatures are basically uncounterable. Let's be honest; like it's it's kind of what it's become at this point.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's it some is. issues with with the you know, the, like they can't use their bounce spell because if that's their answer, then they're gonna
2: bounce Nogila in response to this, right? Um well that's fine because you still get to get it before combat and things like that like it might answer but it still makes the points of interaction more narrow and usually can get there with other ways like or just a revy and
0: untapping well so what i'm saying is it's
3: like not great interaction against removal specifically but certainly you know if like you're playing around like a, a pyro or something sure um yeah so i mean i i agree with with pretty much everything else that's being said <laughs> other than like a yeah. pedantic one point about
1: that. Um, yeah. Congo, you're never, pedantic. no, no, I'm certainly not. How would you, why that. would you ever say that about yourself? You're never pedantic. I mean, and I'm not loud. Like, I don't know why people would, would say those. Um, uh, certainly,
3: uh, <laughs> certainly <laughs> not me, not me at all. Um, but, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I agree with pretty much everything being said for the most part. Um, you know other than like this is the, the take that this is a too aggressively costed or whatever i think this is perfectly a perfectly reasonable card um i think it could even, I, I even just, been pushed a little bit more if i'm
1: being honest with you <laughs> well i'm not saying that it, i'm saying it feels aggressively costed when you like look at it in context of the rest of the set because like we we just talked about refurbish right like yeah, sure. or refat or defabricate except uh ex- Excuse me, which if which could have been a negate and a uh, stifle, and I would have seen that and then this right Mm -hmm. next to it and thought, okay, that's not that aggressively costed because we're also getting negate a stifle attached to it now, too. Like, that's fine. Now we're just getting like a silence with upside. Right. Like, it's pretty good. Uh, Now, granted, it is a or it is symmetrical so that is one important thing to to note with this card is it is players so like mikey said if you're winning with creatures then you cast it on your turn and do your thing baby but like be mindful with this card is this isn't a pre nos (laughs) card you also need to to like tutor
3: for the creature before this or have the creature right yes um yeah so conceivably your sequencing can be awkward because there is that point of interaction for opponents right if they it, know it could also, that, like, you, you're playing, it can also
1: game. be potentially awkward if you are graveyard dependent, potentially, mm-hmm. and exiling like a piece. Like, there are positions where this can be awkward, but yeah, like, I've definitely been think...
2: running this in T&K for that reason, right? Um, but that's why I say, like, with decks like maybe you know, Evo, um, Sans Black stuff, I know some of them play Breach, but they still are mostly winning through creature combos. Things like that, that's where I see it really having a niche and, like, obviously, because that deck is, what, like, 50-some creatures? Yeah,
3: Yeah, there's certainly places where you would play it, and I think that those are all decks that are extremely happy to have this card. Um, I'm also, like, you know, intrigued by the potential, like, sideboard play for this card in other formats. Um, You know, it's kind of like a combination of Reanimator and, like, like, Storm Hate, kind of all in one. Um, So, you know... that's that's pretty intriguing, right? At two mana it might be a little too slow for for formats like that where like those decks are like consistently able to to actually you know ask the question on turn 1 or 2 potentially. <laughs> Especially in the case of reanimator, like
1: two mana interaction sometimes is considered too slow. Uh with that being said, that is our set review. Overall, I actually was pretty surprised at how little this set gave Actually, uh, because I was really expecting like something like cracked in half to come out like, out of the set. I said this at the top of the show. But overall, like Mikey, what was your impression of the set? Like after kind of the whole things come out, like how how do you feel about it?
2: Uh I'm with you that I feel like it's pretty underwhelming for at least like competitive commander. I think casual, there's a bunch of cool toys, a lot of yeah. new things that are coming out. Like the meld cards definitely have a place there. But what I'm most excited for with this set is Limited to be honest, I think there's a ton of cool cube cards. Yeah, and I'm very excited to mess around with Diabolic and I've been wanting to put together the Breach deck in Modern, and now I'm sure with Diabolic coming out, there'll be some Grixis variant, which will be cool. You... And all that. Kind ju- of stuff. I, I saw
1: that Jeskai Breach deck when I was uh judging the uh the uh, what was it the local qualifier a few weeks ago, and I was just like, oh, I know what this deck does. This is Jeskai Breach. I know this. <laughs> <laughs> I know what this deck is doing. Uh, Pongo, what's your reaction to the set overall? Like, uh, like, like I said, I I was expecting this to be a banger and it's been fine. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's uh, sort of par for the course at this
3: point. I think I'm I'm officially done getting excited for standard sets. And, uh, you know, with the exception of the occasional um, like you know cycle of channel lands that we get perhaps uh you know i i just don't <laughs> know that i see a lot happening in the cdh metagame out of the standard sets um you know so yeah. kind of i guess wake me up when we get uh the eternal format sets wake me up like wake me up when you know standard ends. yeah conceivably like i was saying maybe <laughs> the lord of the rings set will be pushed uh considering that's going to be one for eternal formats but it's also possible that it's just going to be like a top down very
1: flavorful design type set, so I'm not getting super excited. I mean about it. no, it's modern horizons three that's exactly what it is i mean it's possible uh, it's but- a modern it is a no it's a modern legal set um mm-hmm. which is dumb uh, just because it's so- a modern
3: legal set doesn't mean it will be the power level of modern horizons, right. Um,
2: sure it could be though yeah it might be more fan service it might be more fan service and just like look you get to play with Aragon. well that's and stuff. it so a lot of <laughs> the designs will look, probably be top, top down yeah. so
3: that will probably reduce their power level just
1: guys literally. it's the one
3: ring <laughs> yeah <laughs> is,
1: is this an arden card <laughs> does it is it an equipment <laughs> that does anything remotely relevant that's literally what I say every <laughs> Listen, time. I swear it, to God. It, but. I'm
3: I'm hyped for jumpstart the monkey theme that we're hopefully getting. <laughs> Cause that that's gonna, you know, it's not Your chick- Your new monkey lord. Yeah, oh that deck is sweet. It's not great, but it's sweet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, that about wraps everything up for us here this week. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Thank you also to Mikey for joining us again. Make sure to check out the miscast podcast where all podcasts are available as well as check out Eminence gaming and all the events that they have going on. If you liked this episode or any of our other episodes, please make sure to rate the show on whatever podcast platform you are on. And if you are listening on YouTube, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and tell us down in the comments what your favorite part of today's show was, or if you just really disagreed with something we said. I also would like to thank our top tier patrons, Justin, Adam Hamden, David Snavely, Dioniches, jason bialik josh stein matt vayner and senior coupon if you too would like to support the show you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash the mind and become part of the sculpty family today thank you again for joining us and from all of us here at the mind sculptors i'm callahan and we'll see you next time